The following message is from the 2016 IBCD Summer Institute. Disordered Desires, Bringing Grace to Modern Sexuality. I'm George Scipione, um, the director of the Biblical Counseling Institute in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is a ministry of the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary. And uh, our topic is gender blending and confusion. Okay. So let's pray, and we'll uh, talk about this, Lord willing, over the next hour or so. Father in heaven, we come to you, and we praise you that you are our God. We are amazed that you could love us, and so great is the work of your Son, that you could overcome your wrath, your just wrath against our sin, and love us and adopt us into your family. So we pray that more and more as we face these issues, you'd give us wisdom and grace to be good ministers of the gospel as we reach out to others. In Christ's name, amen. Gender blending and confusion. There are one or two stories, I think, that would help us sort of put a a mental framework into what we're talking about. First one is uh, Alice in Wonderland. You all remember that if you haven't read it. Certainly have seen movies. Um, Alice in Wonderland, why? Because nothing is what it seems to be. I mean, that's that's really uh, an underarching theme in Alice in Wonderland. Everything that seems normal is abnormal, where things are exactly the opposite of what they seem to be, there in Wonderland. And so more and more, uh, for you young people, it's okay, you grew up in a confused world. Uh, you know, I'm so old, I'm 70 now, you know, I, I, I remember the 60s, okay? Uh, the 60s literally is Alice in Wonderland. Everything gets changed. Okay? And actually you can play on that you know, you can be anything you want in Alice's Restaurant, okay? And really, the whole world has become Alice's Restaurant in terms of, you know, things really are illusory. They don't seem to be what they really are. A second story that really helps us, most of us know, at least generally, is the Emperor's New Clothes. And you remember that really well. Uh, a scam artist comes along and convinces the Emperor hey, I'm going to make you a new set of clothes. And you take off your old ones, and he's really buff naked, you know, and nobody really wants to burst his bubble. Oh, yeah, Emperor, these are really great clothes. I mean, you really look great. You know, nobody wants to be the one who goes, you know, you're naked and you don't have anything on. This is really ridiculous. So you remember, he's in a parade, and, of course, the little boy is the one that argues. Hey, the emperor has no clothes. Okay, and that's where the trouble begins. And so today, our culture really has no clothes. And we're the, we're the ones that are standing here going, hey, you're naked in more ways than one. You, you know, you're naked in terms of physically but you're naked because you have no defense you know, before the living God. And 
So today in Western culture, everyone is responding strangely to this whole gender and sexuality. My wife says, hey, we really are in crazy times. Because what? A federal judge says to a man who brings a lawsuit, uh, I was really a woman born in a man's body. So the federal judge says, okay, we'll change your birth certificate so that your identity now is non-binary. You know, that's safe. It's not you're a woman. It's you're just not binary. So it's not just male, female. Those are the only choices. You can be whatever you want. So the reality is, uh, as I said yesterday, I think... Western culture is on a bad acid trip. We've taken cultural LSD and, you know, we're hallucinating all over the place. And as Christians, you have to understand this. We're living in perilous times. And it's not just people who are being killed by ISIS. It's not just friends that I know that are house pastors in China who are being busted by the you know, the federal government there for, you know, being in a non-registered church. Keep telling our seminarians, some of you are going to end up probably in jail for a hate crime, for just preaching through Romans. For standing up and saying, you have no clothes. You have no defense for saying uh, a man is a woman in a man's body or the other way around. So we are more and more going to be like the early Christians. And it's becoming legally in our country, in Western culture, uh, this whole concept that the federal government, uh, state governments as well, will say, you must swear allegiance to what we say. And it's not political correctness. It's really religious correctness. They won't call it that. But this is a religious issue. Which God are we going to serve? Will it be the triune living God who made men and women in his image? Or is it going to be God howsoever the government decides? So you can be a Christian, but keep it in the closet. So, um, gays, lesbians, and others have talked about we've come out of the closet. Well, guess what? There's out of the closet and in the closet, and they want to put us in the closet. And that's the reality. Whereas it happened years ago, we were going to a gay rights parade here in San Diego, not so much to be ugly or anything. Uh, The ugly people were cursing us because we didn't have King James Bible or say gays were fat. You know, we were the bad guys, and some of you around me remember those days. You know, there were three things that uh, that little Baptist church hated. Catholics, Charismatics, and Calvinists. And I at least was one of them. So, I mean, the bottom line was, um, that was the pastor, some of you remember, DeMorne Omens, who did time federal prison because he didn't uh, blow the whistle on someone in his congregation who was thinking of blowing up an abortion clinic, okay? 
Uh, we have that experience. My wife ran a pro-life pregnancy center here in San Diego County. Uh, we thought for sure there was no way we could shut down Planned Parenthood, shut us down, because they sued all the pro-life pregnancy centers. So, so that's the whole cultural milieu we are in. It is a an antagonistic culture who's not sufficiently satisfied for us to say, you know, keep quiet. Uh, if we say the emperor has no clothes, they will try to shut us down. So where do we start in trying to understand uh, that general shift in the culture and particularly the issue of gender, gender confusion and gender blendering, okay? Well, Jesus, of course, points us in the right direction, as I've said in a couple of the seminars. He always does what? Goes back to the beginning. Let's read a passage here. Let me read a passage. Matthew chapter 19. Now, it's not about gay and lesbian. It's not about gender confusion or whatever. But it is in the context of marriage and family, which, after all, are the biblical paradigm for this issue of gender. And uh, what I want to do is to explain the confusion, but particularly how do you counsel someone who comes in and is confused and says, I'm a man in a woman's body or a woman in a man's body or um, I'm whatever. I'm transgendered. Okay. Or I'm the next term I'm waiting for is omnigendered. You know, I'm a little bit of everything. So how do we deal with this? Now, interestingly, in Matthew chapter 19, we have Jesus being tested uh, by people. And he's teaching about divorce. And in verse 3, we read this. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? So that was a controversy. Some rabbis are saying, any cause, Deuteronomy 24. The others argue, no, it's got to be a serious thing. So which is it? Uh, and he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? said that in the last seminar. Those are, he didn't make them three different options. It's male and female. And that historical paradigm is not just a myth. It's time and space history. And that's God's way of working. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? Notice how they frame it. Moses said, give her a certificate of divorce and send her away. That's not what Deuteronomy 24 says, if you read it carefully. So Jesus says, he said to him, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. Disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, 
it's better not to marry. They're going, you've got to be kidding me. If you're talking about that strict, who can meet that? So better not to get married. And then Jesus responds, he said to them, not everyone can receive the saying, but only those to whom it was given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, you can understand that, incapable of sexual relations. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. <laughs> Figure that one out. Origin, others. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. So again, this historic paradigm is what Jesus does. So first point on your outline. And, and this may help you in working with a person who struggles with this. You need to see gender issues as a subset of a larger issue of identity in general. Modern people in America don't understand who they are. That's the bigger issue. Actually, gender and sexuality is only a sub-point of that issue. The issue is, who am I? Now, as I say here in point A, every counseling uh, psychology, Christian or non-Christian, secular or not, has what? A paradigm. Who is man? What's wrong? And how do you fix it? I've never forgotten that. Uh, I had a graduate course when I got saved in seminary. Uh, I went to Temple University where I had done my undergrad to get a master's in psychology. And I had a counseling course. It was very interesting. Uh, run by a woman, not a Christian. Her mother was a Christian. Uh, she walked into class the first day of the semester and said, you have a 10-page paper for next week. Okay. Who's man? What's wrong? How do you fix them? And uh, the design of the course was kind of brilliant. You know, then you read the books, you saw the films, you studied and you wrote the same paper at the end of the semester. Well, everybody was a master's or a PhD student. Panic reigned. Oh, my word. This is so hard. What do I do? How does this work? Who's man? I, uh, uh, uh. And I'm going, wow, a piece of cake. That's not hard. Romans 1, 2, and 3. What, what's hard about this? Who's man? Yeah, made in the image of God. What's wrong? Sin. And how do you fix it? Jesus. This is, this is easy, you know? So I write my paper. It's kind. I got a good grade. You know, and we went through the whole course. And then, you know, you wrote the paper. So I go up at the end and she goes, right, wait a minute. Let me guess. I'm going to get Romans 1, 2, and 3 again. Right. I said, could I write a critique of these different people from you know, Christian perspective? Okay. So, um, but I've never forgotten that because interestingly, even as a non-Christian, she saw that was the issue. So everybody, whether it's transgendered, uh, LGBT or whatever, or people now that think they're animals, we've got that, right? There's a famous woman in Brazil. I was just there. Uh, she thinks that she is a lion. So she's getting plastic surgery to make her look like a lion. 
Okay? I come back here, and I hear there's a guy in Arizona who thinks he's a dragon. So what's he doing? He's getting surgery to make him what? Look dragon-like. You know, little horns and stuff. And we need to weep over people like that. They're confused. I, I think they're very confused. Right? Now, think about that. Yeah. Where do I go in the Bible? You know, it doesn't seem like there's anything in the Bible that talks about people who think they're dragons or lions or whatever. You know, we go, oh. No. But the point is identity, right? Am I a lion, a dragon, or a person made in the image of God who's in rebellion against God? So for us as believers, right, in a sense, this is really easy. It's Romans 1, 2, and 3. And Romans 1 makes real clear what happens when you don't agree with God. You profess yourself to become, to be wise, but in fact you make yourself out to be a fool. So in a sense, uh, this shouldn't throw us off, even though it is very complicated and difficult. So, who are you? I think I'm a dragon. No, you're not a dragon. This goes across the board. People used to come in and say, um, what? Uh, What was the old thing that was real popular years ago? You don't hear much about multiple personality disorder. I come in and think I'm what? You fill in the blank. But the question is, no, you're not. You are whoever you are as you were born. Well, I think we all struggle with that, don't we? Are there some things that you don't like about yourself? Right? Absolutely. And no matter what you do, that's not going to change. And the sooner that the person goes, this is who I am, And my only hope of change is to become like Jesus instead of who I am, male or female. I have to become like Jesus. That's God's goal. Because who is man? Image. What does it mean to be image bearer of God? Can you package that out a little bit? See, that's important for counseling. So if you say to a person, you're an image bearer of God, that should mean a couple of things. Like... Reflecting, okay, so your job is to reflect, okay, what does that mean? Following his example. Okay. Being like him. Reflecting his character, okay. You know, the picture is what? You are, you all looked in the mirror this morning, right? What did you see? Myself. You saw your, was it you? Are you married? Yes, sir. You're married, okay. 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 If your wife came into the bathroom and went up and started kissing the picture of you in the mirror, what would you say? Be a little worried. Well, yeah. <laughs> Why? Because what would you say to your wife? That's not me. I'm here. Me. That's my reflection, Okay. So I'm just trying to get at it. It really is a reflection of who you are, but it's not 
you're not, it's not you. Representative. It's a representative. So that's the point. Okay, now uh, think about this and put this in your theological pipe. And, oh, no, you don't smoke. Okay. Okay, chew this. No, you don't chew tobacco either. Okay. Think about this, okay? Okay. In the Old Testament, and particularly in the New, what are the three offices of Jesus Christ? Prophet, Prophet, priest, and king. I would submit to you that's a good uh, summary of what is to be image of, image of God. You are what? A worshiper as a priest. You ought to be worshiping God. Secondly, you are to work. It's like a king. And you are to preach or teach and reflect what God has taught you, okay, as a prophet. Now, not everybody's ordained, you know, in office. My point is, though, that sort of gets down even, you know, a little more definition. And under that, you can get particulars. So are you a good worshiper? What goes into worship? We can go into a whole bunch of stuff. But that has implications for counseling. Are you teaching people to be a good worshiper? Okay. Are you teaching people to be a good servant of God? Are you teaching people to be a good worshiper? Okay. Now, as point B under one, life must be understood as two basic realities, not this amorphous, uh, you know, we're all God. There's God, right, and creation. There's male and female. There are the children of Satan and the children of God, going all the way back to the garden, the seed of the woman through Jesus, and the seed of the evil one. So, as Peter Jones, again, check out his ministry in in, uh, Truth Exchange, life is binary. (laughs) So if the federal judge goes, not binary, it doesn't change the fact that the world really is, there are two uh, separate realities in the sense or divisions. And it goes right through from the seed in the garden. Remember, the seed of the woman is going to come and crush the seed of serpent. Or as Paul picks up in Romans, remember, God will soon crush what? Satan under your heel. So Paul's picking up and saying, look, Christ is risen from the dead. You've got a victory, and he's going to defeat the evil one through you because you're going to crush him under the heel, not because you're the Savior, but because you belong to the Savior. So begin to think all this through. Okay, Jesus says to the Jews, you are of your father the devil because you want to kill me. So just to simply see, Okay, the gender issue, as different as that seems, is really just a subset of this issue. It's a it's a subset of Satan's seed playing out. I'm not going to be who you declare me to be. I will not accept my body as you've given it to me. I don't like breasts. I don't like a vagina. I would rather, you know, we're the other way around. Or I don't like being a human. I'd like to be a dog. Well, whatever, you see, 
I refuse to accept God's definition of who I am. Second main point. You need to see all counseling as involving the issue of the image of God. So it's an extension of this. There used to be a phrase out, you are what you eat. You know what the Bible's answer to that is? You are who you worship. Look at Psalm 115 real quickly. These are very important passages. Uh, Mark these down. They're there in your outline. Psalm 115 and Matthew 6. Because this is really a key to counseling in general and particularly in these gender issues. What does Psalm 115 say? It's contrasting idolatry and true worship. So in a sense, you can say this is almost the way you could view counseling, whether it's gender issues or anything else. Uh, Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name be glory. Uh, For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. So there's God, Jehovah God. We know now in the New Testament, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's contrasted to what? Verse 3. Okay. Excuse me, verse 4. Their idols are what? Silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but can't speak, eyes but do not see, ears can't hear, noses don't smell, have hands but don't feel, feet but don't walk. They do not make a sound in their throat. Okay? Pretty, pretty understandable, right? Uh, a pretty graphic description of an idol. But, but here's a very important line. Look what it says. Verse 8. They that what? Make them become what? Like them. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. See the point? Where does an idol come from? We, our mind, see something in creation. We put it together. We make this uh, idol, and then what happens? The ironic thing is we become stupid and dumb like the idol. Ironic reversal. It's really a creaturely thing that comes out of our imagination, piecing together our experiences, okay? And, and, but that's the punchline. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. Nine, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He's their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He's their help and shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He's their help and shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He blessed the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into the silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Praise the Lord. You see the, you see the relationship? You are what you worship. Trace, trace it out. Why do communists kill so many people? Because they're basically materialists. Don't believe there's a personal God, a moral God. Why are there so much sexual immorality in Hindu religion? Look at the Hindu gods. 
a bunch of perverted, you know, perverted gods. See, the God that you worship dictates because you're made in the image. Okay, now turn over to the New Testament where I think Jesus nails this down and uh, makes it clear in in New Testament terms uh, the same thing. Matthew chapter 6. It's a well-known passage. You've probably memorized it or, or seen it. It's about worry. Okay? Look at verse 19 to the end. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your what? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? You can't serve two masters, for either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one, despise the other. You can't serve God. Money, it goes right on through to the end. You know it well. But what does Jesus say? Okay, other passages... uh, Matthew 15, elsewhere, where does idolatry, uh, where does uh, adultery, fornication, murder, where does it come from? Out of the heart. So what? Man is heart-driven, right? And what drives the heart? The treasure. You see? So Jesus is saying, you are what you worship. Your treasure dictates your self-concept and your character. That's why the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So, um, in gender, you become like the God that you serve. And, And that's true for anybody, and the person may not be gender confused, They may not be species confused, all these other things. But it comes down to this. Psalm 115 shows this. Matthew 6 makes it even clearer. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 4, right? You were what? Dead in your trespasses and sins. But God made you alive in Christ. Okay? So dead in your trespasses and sin, you're like your father the devil... Who is what? A liar and a murderer. So the big things that Satan uses is lies. So if I think I'm a dragon, you know, I have all this power, whatever, I don't have to answer to a living God. So even if you were a dragon, you'd have to answer to God. See, so... It's not as complicated. What well, is complicated, but it's not as confusing as it might. You need to know that you're an image bearer of God and that God is leading you and that, in a sense, you can take that clarity and gently shine it on this person who's confused. Gender, species, whatever. It's true even for people who really are not gender confused or species confused, but... They think they're an alien or something. I just captured an alien ship, okay? Uh, what? No, 
You're an image bearer of God. You know, teach us to number our days that you might have a heart of wisdom. You're going to die. You're going to have to answer to the living God. And you need to, to realize that. And so, really, what is holiness? Jay, Jay Adams and others have pointed this out. Ephesians 4. Okay, let's look at that. There's a paradigm passage for the change. Okay, if chapter 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were made alive together with Christ. You know, you've been united with him. Uh, chapter 4, make sure that you keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Now you're part of the body of Christ. You have to find your identity in terms of where am I in the body? What am I, what am I supposed to be accomplishing? Uh, and Ephesians says this uh, in chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding. I think I'm an animal. I think I'm the opposite gender. Uh, They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Now, Now, that's kind of a functional definition, isn't it? Of unregeneracy. What's callousness? What's a callous? Right? Isn't it? It's a, it's a heavy layer of skin that, that keeps you from rubbing yourself the wrong way. So when you get a callous, you become what? Insensitive to the irritation. And so there's the picture. When you're dead in your sin, what happens? Your heart becomes callous toward the, rea- the reality of God. And listen, isn't this interesting? How do you then live? If you don't know the reality of God, you give yourself up to what? What's the word there? Sensuality. If I could say it this way, faith is supra-sensual. Can you see God? I hope you say no, because if you keep saying yes, I'm going to... I have to take you and do, give you a theology lesson. Okay, you, you can't see God, right? You can't see him. Can you hear him? Well, you could if he's speaking, but normally he's not, right? You can't see, you can't hear. Can you smell him? Can you taste him? Can you feel him in your body? So I keep telling people, positive or negative, your feelings are not the Holy Spirit. So the bottom line is, sensuality is living by what? Your five senses. What I see and touch and feel. See, so if I think I'm a rabbit or a, you know, whatever, I'm a man or a woman, see what I'm saying? You're living by sense. You're not living by faith. Faith in what the Word of God says. So then he says what? Uh, Give themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So the more you do that, the more you take on that identity, the more you think I'm an animal or I'm you know, transgendered or whatever. What's that? Beloved, it's just a deeper form of sin that we all experience, right? I really think I'm actually a wonderful person. I really think it's wonderful for you to know me and experience me, you know, because I'm such a godly guy after all. The, you know what I'm saying? 
Come on, that's still sin. I'm living in a dream world, okay? Apart from Christ, I'm just a plain old sinful jackass. That's all there is. This is free, free for the giving. People come in, don't like me, say, look, even if you think I'm a jackass, if I'm telling you what the Bible says, you've got to listen. Because God used a donkey to rebuke a mad prophet. <laughs> so even if you think I'm hee-hawing, you better listen if I'm telling you what the Word of God says. Okay. But the bottom line is, am I like Jesus? Normally not, but that's where he's changing me, okay? And as I become more like Jesus, I'm becoming more who I'm supposed to be. And that's my identity. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, self-control. That's my true identity in Christ, and that's where i got to grow. And to be honest, every one of us needs a reality check to see whether we're living by faith in the Son of God who is you know, making us conform to his image. Okay? Third point, you can see that gender then is but a subset of the image of God. Genesis 1, man's made in the image of God. Genesis 5, 3, you know, Adam had what? A son in his image and likeness. So it's deliberately picking up. Moses, by the Holy Spirit, picks up that. Okay, and remember when you go to Luke, the genealogy of Jesus, so-and-so is the son of so-and-so, all the way back to what? Adam, who is the son of God. Okay? So there's that image bearing all the way taken back, all the way to the beginning. So Romans 5, it's there in your outline, and where 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, really there's only two images. The first Adam and the second Adam. So everyone who's in the first Adam is, is confused. You know, they don't understand being an image bearer of God. Okay? And that's the change. Well, if I'm in Christ, now I'm part of what? The man from heaven, the second Adam, who's laid down his life. So all the way back then, then point three, therefore Adam and Eve are the norm. Anything else is a sinful degeneration from that created norm. Gender and sexuality are part of the image of God and are impacted by sin. But the insanity of thinking I am some other gender than what I am is really just a subset of the insanity of thinking I'm something other than an image bearer of God who has to answer to God. And that's been an insanity that's been around since the garden. So point four, you must not be deceived by the pagan worldview around us. See? Underneath all this stuff with gender, um, whether it's the male-female you know, uh, uh, issues or whether it's the gender issues or species issues, is a subset of this whole thing. Who am I living in covenantal relationship with and who am I reflecting? Okay. So when it comes down to that, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't that seem a lot simpler? It's not easy. And I can't convert people. I can't get them to see that, but that's the reality. So when we step back, whatever the person's sin is, whether it's a gender issue or something else, 
is to say, am I going to live in reality or am I going to live in a dream world? Hold up my head high and whistle a happy tune. I'm not afraid. You know, uh, to imagine whoever I think to be. So all this Eastern thought is really underneath going back to the garden. You'll be what? Like God. Don't worship the real God. You can set your own agenda and do your own thing. And so Peter Jones's work is very helpful on this, and he shows how homosexuality is almost the sacrament, the sexual sacrament of the New Age movement. Yeah? And, and, and see, that's really what's happening with the gay and lesbian. And we've seen this, like, we're going, where's all this gender stuff coming? It came back from them basically saying what? We gays are going to lead the world into the Aquarius. We're going to lead them into the new world where there is no distinctions. And all these old distinctions, which actually create war and, and, and issues, they're all going to be obliterated as we are absorbed into the Godhead and we express our essential deity. Well, that's a lie that leads straight to the pit of hell. So, C under four, all this is based upon the basics of what we've said before. So you say, well, how do I go about this? Go back to the introduction to biblical counseling, with IBCD, all the basic discipleship, you know, it comes down to that. It's not, uh, it's difficult, but it's not all that esoteric. You know, we would face this and think like, wow, this is different. So for me, it's out of back to the introduction to biblical counseling, the marriage and family course, and the advanced course, which I teach. And um, all of it's try to be biblical. The advanced course, interestingly, is taking the Ten Commandments as opposed to the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual and saying, God gave us ten words, that's sufficient to organize life. And Jesus says that boils down to two commandments, right? First four, second six, all the law and the prophets hang on these two. So however you want to do it, low to high or high to low, it, it all comes down to love God with everything you have, love your neighbors yourself, and you'll be fine by the grace of God. Okay? So... Uh, and all this is based on, a, and you can look this up online, I think it's still online, uh, the Biblical Ethics of Transsexual Operations. There's an old journal, it's defunct journal of Biblical Ethics in Medicine. I still think you can get that online. Go on, you know, Google it in. And there's an article there. Uh, I wrote this, uh, The Biblical Ethics of Transsexual Operations, which is just an extreme version of trying to avoid who we really are. Well, exhortations for life, and then I'll leave about 15 minutes for a, for a Q&A. Hopefully you'll have some questions on application. One, you need to live and counsel out of these realities. You need to live as an image bearer of God being recreated through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need that for your own identity. So when somebody comes in and they think they're a furry and they're an animal. You know, you have to relate, relate to them as God's image bearer, you know, has been redeemed through Christ. Obviously, you need to teach your children. Your children grow up now in a culture that tells them you can be anything you want to be. 
and they got friends that are kind of weirding out, you know, and we got to teach, no, honey, honey, yeah, Jimmy's really nice, but Jimmy's confused. You know, Jimmy thinks he's a fox. He's really not a fox. You know? But we have to have compassion for him, and we got to love him, but, you know, we can't let him be a fox. You know, he can't come in and eat our chickens, and he can't just poop all over the place or do whatever he wants. we got to treat Jimmy as Jimmy, okay? Uh, you see, you need to teach your children and your churches. I mean, you're probably facing this. People in your youth group or whatever. We had a, a male uh, father-son uh, retreat that I spoke at recently, and, and there was a ferry there. You know, kid was wearing a fox tail and a, and a hat. You know what I mean? How do you relate to him? You know? Hope you don't go to the chicken coop and say, here, here's some chicken, you know, eat it, you know. You talk to them, say, hey, what about your parents? You know, what's your name? You know, where did you come from? Oh, that's interesting. Why, why did you think, why did you pick a fox as opposed to uh, a cat or something else? You know, you, you can ask good questions and, and probe and say, you know, well, what's in it for this? You know, it's not all that different, you know. Unless you're the University of uh, California, they're, they're weird, you know, so I'm, I'm teasing. You know, so let, you're Irvine, right? So you're the anteaters, you know. Or if you're UC Santa Barbara, uh, uh, Santa Cruz, you're the banana slugs. Now, I mean, if there's one that I don't want to be as a banana slug, but, you know, so I don't want to take on the properties of a banana slug, okay? But you say, well... My, my guess is they, they picked that because they wanted to be weird. You know, I mean, nobody's terrorized by a banana slug, you know. But it's kind of interesting when you think about that. Uh, we, we laughed, right? But most of our, our sports teams take on what? Why do they take a mascot? Because in a sense, like the Indians, they want the spirit of, well, nobody wants to be an aardvark. You know, because who's afraid of an aardvark, you know, or the armadillo? You know, you don't get in terror, but, ah, you know, panther, pit panthers, Penn State, you know, uh, Nittany Lions, you know. Of course, if you're Georgetown Hoya, what in the world's a Hoya? <laughs> I mean, you know, that doesn't strike terror in people's minds. But so, so, so we have this tendency as humans that we want some of these other things to make us where we think we lack. So uh, when you think in these terms, it's not all that confusing, okay? And so we need to speak this into uh, the culture and say, you know something? You're more special than a fox. I said that at an abortion clinic. A guy was really mad at me. And he said, you know, why are you here? I said, because, you know, here's the bottom line. Because you're made in the image of God and you're important. And if you abort a baby... That's a human being made in the image of God. Well, I don't believe that. So well, whether you believe it or not, that's the reality. And guess what? You're more important than you think you are. You're not an animal. And if somebody was going to kill you, it would be my job to defend you. The same thing for, for an unborn baby. You're more significant than you possibly can imagine. When you think about it, you know, you're cool, aren't you? You're not even an angel. 
People say angels are better, they're stronger. So are elephants, you know. (laughs) Angels are not the image bearers of God. And Jesus didn't die for angels. I was in Uganda, and and a guy asked me, a pastor, why can't Satan be saved? Now, I mean, you know, you just don't get asked that in SoCal very often, okay? (laughs) You know, why can't Satan be saved? Oh, my, you know, wow. I should have gone to my junior high school class and figured that one out, but... Oh, oh, uh, because he didn't die for angels, right? Hebrews 2. He died for the seed of Abraham. So you're way more important than an angel. And you're way more important than a fox or or anything. So we got to tell people, you have more dignity than you possibly could possibly imagine. So why do you want to be an aardvark or a fox when you can be an image bearer of the God who created the whole universe and sent Jesus to die. See, so those are the kinds of themes that we can work with with people and challenge them. Okay, the gospel works here. Repentance and faith are the door in the person work of Jesus through which the transsexual or the transgendered or the trans species needs to enter the kingdom. So in a real sense... The transgender or transspecies person is no different than any sinner. You've got to give up your old identity and have a new identity in Jesus Christ. So, and obviously you need real wisdom to apply this to real people in counseling evangelism. And of course, 2 Timothy 2. Man of God must be gentle, able to exhort those who contradict, so perhaps God may give them the gift of repentance unto life. So there's an overview real quick. Uh, we have plenty of time for questions if you have them, particular cases or particular applications. Uh, go ahead and fire away. And uh, when we're done, we'll, we'll let you go um, and get some extra time before your next, uh, your next uh, workshop. So that's my approach to the gender thing. Yes, sir. Okay, so yeah, our brother works at Hillcrest with uh, troubled youth, you know, right? No. Oh, no, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, transgender homosexuals. Yes. There, uh, it's pretty, um, you know, outspoken and, and all of those things. So uh, I'm a barber by vocational. Um, how would you get into uh, the kind of conversation? Like with a short runway, mm-hmm. how, how would you get there fast? Okay, you're a barber. I'm a barber. Okay, so you're you're cool, man. Okay, <laughs> okay. The question is, okay, you're in Hillcrest with a lot of uh, les- uh, gays and and uh, gender issues. How do you get into it? Hey, what do you want to look like? You know, you're kind of worried about your image. I'm giving you a haircut here. You know, what do you want to look like? Well, why do you want to look like that? You know, just lots of times with people. You want to ask questions, see, as opposed to make statements. And sometimes in evangelism, all you got is what I call gospel grenades. Yeah, pull a verse, pull the pin, throw it in, and hope that the Holy Spirit explodes it later. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, you know, because you know, sometimes you can't just go direct and go, "Hey, look, you're," you know. So, so the real issue is when you think about it, what is the difference between a gay sinner? and a heterosexual sinner. 
It's just a different, you know, different uh, sin of choice. So the question is, how do you get any sinner to think like, well, guess what? What's going to happen to you when you die? So instead of talking about sex and gender, unless they bring it up, the question is, well, what are you going to do? You go, and then you get, oh, well, well, you're a Christian. You're going to tell me I'm gay. Hey, I'm just telling you you're a sinner. You know, whatever you got sin is different than my sin, but the bottom line is Christ had to die for sin. So, so don't say he's picking on gays, you know. Uh, part of we lost it because we were not hard enough on heterosexual sinners who are running around. The culture has been degenerating for, you know, a couple generations now since the 60s, getting worse and worse. So instead of saying all sex outside of marriage is wrong and not, not fulfilling, and like Ian was saying in the, the plenary, hey, you, you really want to be happy? I mean, who doesn't want to be happy? Well, you know, yeah. oh, you really are happy. How did getting AIDS make you happy? You know, uh, again, if people get into particulars and tell you, you can say, well, does, does that really satisfy you? Well, no, well, of course not. Because, you know, you're not being faithful. They're not being faithful. Go right back to basic themes. Who are you? What's wrong? How Jesus had to come into the world. So to make homosexuality the issue, it's secondary to the issue of you're just an obnoxious rebel trying to live your own life without the living God. So that's, that's where I would stay with them. And if the, if the gender issue comes in, you say, okay, fine. That's, what I, that's how I try to normally uh, approach it. And a lot of ways I try to build relationships with them first well, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, have those kind of conversations. Yeah. Because I think sometimes you, you can't even get to where you would like to go if you're dealing with that first. But if there's some unique um, uh, unique situation where you're able to come alongside and identify with them as sinners, mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, they're, they're more open. Yeah. Yeah. To there's a th- yeah, there's a difference between evangelism and somebody who comes in for counseling. You would handle someone who comes in for counseling differently if they were sent in by parents who said, hey, I had one gal once who came in who uh, was sent in by her parents. They were Christians, uh, raised her as a Christian. She'd worked at Planned Parenthood. And for two years, a woman hit on her, never gave in. She left Planned Parenthood. And she went around thinking like, that gal told me I'm gay. (coughs) How will I know if I don't? try. So when she came in, her parents got her to come in. I said, well, your problem isn't that you're gay. I said, biblically speaking, your, your problem is you're foolish. Because you won't listen to people that really love you and care for you. You know, you're listening to some, some woman who's been trying to set you up to get you into bed with her, and, and she got that stuck in your mind, and you ran over with it. And, and you know, so, yeah, you, have, you, you had a one-night encounter, uh, you need to repent of that. That was sin, but you're not gay. Your, your sin isn't gayness. Your sin is foolishness in listening to worldly people who don't really care about you. See, so, so in that case, did she agree? No, but the point is I'm trying to get her to see how God views her and her circumstances as opposed to how she perceives it and how she perceives it through the eyes of other people who are trying to, to bend her and get her to go in the direction she wants. 
So uh, sometimes you can do that, sometimes you can't. I've tried to witness to people, you know, on an airplane, I had one gal once, a Jewish gal, you know, who didn't believe in God. There's no absolute truth. I said, after 20 minutes, I said, why are you telling me there's no absolute truth and why are you arguing with me? She says, because I like to argue, it's fun. I said, because if there's no real truth, why aren't you convinced me? So I tried to say, you really believe in absolute truth? No, no, I don't. I said, she did. So if your husband brought another person home and said, you know, let's get a three things. She said, we've already talked about that. I was stunned. Mm-hmm. What I should have said was, okay, if there's no absolute truth, if I think grabbing your windpipe and ripping it out of you makes me feel good, would that be okay? I'm pretty sure she would have said, no, that wouldn't be acceptable. And I go, why? Gives me great pleasure. <laughs> would, it, would it make it right? See, because she really doesn't believe in, in, in no absolute truth. But, you know, uh, sometimes that's all you can do is just say, hey, you know, there it is. So, Anything else on the gender confusion and... You know, if you see this as more of a subset of the other, then you have a handle on that to know, I've got to try to get the truth to the person and see that. How do you get to the truth to a person that doesn't want to see it? That, that's a different story. Is it, really just, is it really counseling? No, at that point, it's really evangelism. You know, yes? Um, I was wondering what your thoughts would be, because I work in like college evangelism. Okay. One defeater I've heard is the question, well, there is no distinct male female because of like the exception of hermaphrodites. Right. So, so I'm just curious, how would you handle that? Yeah, okay, that'd be like saying there's no real humanity when there are people who have brain, brain uh, you know, who, who are brain dead. Okay, it's a fallen world, there are exceptions, but you don't just say everybody's brain dead because there are children who are born with partial brain stems or whatever. You know, the exception doesn't make... See, the exception becomes the rule. So when you're talking with your kids and say, okay, there are hermaphrodites. That's true, but here's the deal. Even though they're hermaphrodites who have external genitalia of both, they are still male or female on the cellular level. There are rare chromosomal problems, but, you know, by and large, you're male or female right down to the cellular level, okay? So the fact that there are fallen things and twisted that doesn't change, you know, the major. So are you a human being? Yeah. Are, we're all a little defective when you get down to it, right? Uh, you and I don't reflect the image of God quite the way we should, you know? So this kid's a little more, uh, you know, profoundly limited than I am. So uh, you just say to him, look, it's just like the guy who was mentioning it, you know, hey, I'm a six foot tall Chinese woman. No, I'm not. You're a white little dude. You know, you're five foot, you're five foot nine. You know, well, if I think I'm a Chinese, well, it's okay. It's not going to harm anybody if you think you're Chinese. Okay. Uh, you know, it's not going to harm you if you think you're seven feet tall, unless you want to try out for the NBA. You know, then it's going to become reality pretty soon that you're not seven feet tall and you really can't play center in the NBA, you know, because you're going to get stuffed so many times that eventually, you know, you're going to go, I'm not a really good center, <laughs> you know, or I'm imagining. Now, some people don't want to face reality. So I don't know what I can say. Say, well, 
I tell people all the time, I love birds. I'm a birder. You know, it's one of my hobbies. I love, love wild birds. You know, and I, boy, if I think I'm a bird and jump off the roof, you know, flap my flappers, pretty soon something's going to happen. I'm going to conclude I'm not a bird or I'm a very bad one because <laughs> I'm going to break my beak real quick, you know, and my flight pattern is going to be limited, you know. <laughs> So there are certain aspects of reality that are just not going to go away because, you know, I wish I am. I wish I am. I wish I am. I wish I am. You know, and you have to love people enough to say to them, I hope you don't keep saying I am because you're really going to be terribly, terribly disappointed. I forget what was the other one. You know, you can be a six-foot female Chinese, but there was one thing where the person said, no, you can't do that. I forget what it was. The, uh, the, you saw the, go on YouTube. It's the guy who went to the University of Washington and, you know, went there and said, hey, if I think I'm a woman, is that okay? Well, well I, guess, I guess if you think you're a woman, it really won't hurt anybody. Really? It can hurt somebody if you go in the wrong bathroom, you know, or you try to form a relationship with a person and think that you're a, some saying. Uh, so people can't really be isolated. And this, this modern idea, I can be anything I want to be, <clears throat> really, as uh, Sam Albury said the first night, is really, actually, it's ludicrous. It really is. And if we love people, we have to say, I'm sorry. Um, and I've always done this with multiple personality and others. Hey, <clears throat> this is what God made you to be. This is how I'm going to treat you. If you don't want to do that, then you have to go to somebody else for counseling. Because I'm not going to play a game with you. Not a game that's going to hurt you. Well, let's pray. <clears throat> I'll stay and talk with anybody who has other questions. Father in heaven, <clears throat> we thank you that your word is sufficient. And even though we don't know everything about everything, Lord, some of these bigger issues that seem to be so confusing when we really dust off all the, <clears throat> the differences and nuances, it really comes down to um, a variation on the old theme. Has God really said you're a man? Has he really said you're a woman? <clears throat> Has he really said you're an image bearer of God? Yes. And the sooner we accept <clears throat> the limitations that you've given to us and the salvation that you give to us through Jesus Christ, the sooner we're going to be happier. Lord, help us to keep our sanity, biblical sanity, so we can help others come to real peace. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Copyright 2016, IBCD. All rights reserved. More free resources are available at www.ibcd.org.